Section 118 of Complete Original Short Stories of Guy de Maupassant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tatiana Chichilla, Columbus, Ohio. Section 118. Moonlight. Madame Julie Roubert was expecting her elder sister, Madame Henriette Latour, who had just returned from a trip to Switzerland. The Latour household had left nearly five weeks before. Madame Henriette had allowed her husband to return alone to their estate in Calvados, where some business required his attention, and had come to spend a few days in Paris with her sister. Night came on. In the quiet parlor, Madame Roubert was reading in the twilight in an absent-minded way, raising her eyes whenever she heard a sound. At last she heard a ring at the door, and her sister appeared, wrapped in a traveling cloak, and without any formal greeting they clasped each other in an affectionate embrace, only desisting for a moment to give each other another hug. Then they talked about their health, about their respective families, and a thousand other things, gossiping, jerking out, hurried, broken sentences as they followed each other about, while Madame Henriette was removing her hat and veil. It was now quite dark. Madame Roubert rang for a lamp, and as soon as it was brought in, she scanned her sister's face, and was on the point of embracing her once more. But she held back, scared and astonished at the other's appearance. On her temples, Madame Latour had two large locks of white hair. All the rest of her hair was of a glossy, raven-black hue, but there alone, at the, each side of her head, as it were, ran two silvery streams which were immediately lost in the black mass surrounding them. She was, nevertheless, only twenty-four years old, and this change had come on suddenly since her departure for Switzerland. Without moving, Madame Roubert glanced at her in amazement, tears rising to her eyes, as she thought that some mysterious and terrible calamity must have befallen her sister. She asked, "'What is the matter with you, Henriette?' Smiling with a sad face, the smile of one who is heartsick, the other replied, "'Why, nothing, I assure you. Were you noticing my white hair?' But Madame Roubert impetuously seized her by the shoulders, and with a searching glance at her, repeated, "'What is the matter with you? Tell me what is the matter with you, and if you tell me a falsehood, I'll soon find out.' They remained face to face, and Madame Henriette, who looked as if she were about to faint, had two pearly tears in the corners of her drooping eyes. Her sister continued, "'What has happened to you? What is the matter with you? Answer me!' Then, in a subdued voice, the other murmured, "'I have... I have a lover.' and hiding her forehead on the shoulder of her younger sister, she sobbed. Then, when she had grown a little calmer, when the heaving of her breast had subsided, she commenced to unbosom herself, as if to cast forth the secret from herself, to empty the sorrow of hers into a sympathetic heart. Thereupon, holding each other's hands tightly clasped, the two women went over to a sofa in a dark corner of the room, into which they sank, and the younger sister, passing her arm over the elder one's neck, and drawing her close to her heart, listened. Oh, I know that there was no excuse for me. I do not understand myself, and since that day I feel as if I were mad. Be careful, my child, about yourself. Be careful. If you only knew how weak we are, how quickly we yield and fall, it takes so little, so little, so little a moment of tenderness, one of those sudden fits of melancholy which come over you, one of those longings to open your arms, to love, to cherish something, which we have all had at certain moments. You know my husband, and you know how fond I am of him, but he is mature and sensible, and cannot even comprehend the tender vibrations of a woman's heart. He is always the same, always good, always smiling, always kind, always perfect. Oh, how I sometimes have wished that he would clasp me roughly in his arms, that he would embrace me with those slow, sweet kisses which make two beings intermingle, which are like mute confidences. How I have wished that he were foolish, even weak, so that he might have need of me, of my caresses, of my tears." This all seems very silly, but we women are made like that. How can we help it? And yet the thought of deceiving him never entered my mind. Now it has happened, without love, without reason, 
without anything, simply because the moon shone one night on the lake of Lucerne. During the month when we were traveling together, my husband, with his calm indifference, paralyzed my enthusiasm, extinguished my poetic ardor. When we were descending the mountain paths at sunrise, when as the four horses galloped along with the diligence, we saw in the transparent morning haze, valleys, woods, streams, and villages. I clasped my hands with delight and said to him, how beautiful it is, dear, give me a kiss, kiss me now. He only answered with a smile of chilling kindliness. There is no reason why we should kiss each other because you like the landscape. And his words froze me to my heart. It seems to me that when people love each other, they ought to feel more moved by love than ever in the presence of beautiful scenes. In fact, I was brimming over with poetry which he kept me from expressing. I was almost like a boiler filled with steam and hermetically sealed. One evening, we had for four days been staying at a hotel in Flulen. Robert, having one of his sick headaches, went to bed immediately after dinner, and I went to take a walk all alone along the edge of the lake. It was a night such as one reads of in fairy tales. The full moon showed itself in the middle of the sky, the tall mountains with their snowy crests seemed to wear silver crowns, the waters of the lake glittering with tiny shining ripples. The air was mild, with that kind of penetrating warmth which enervates us till we are ready to faint, to be deeply affected without any apparent cause. But how sensitive, how vibrating the heart is at such moments, how quickly it beats, and how intense is its emotion. I sat down on the grass and gazed at that vast, melancholy, and fascinating lake, and a strange feeling arose in me. I was seized with an insatiable need of love, a revolt against the gloomy dullness of my life. What? Would it never be my fate to wander, arm in arm, with a man I loved, along a moon-kissed bank like this? Was I never to feel on my lips those kisses so deep, delicious, and intoxicating, which lovers exchange on nights that seem to have been made by God for tenderness? Was I never to know ardent, feverish love in the moonlit shadows of a summer night? And I burst out weeping like a crazy woman. I had heard something stirring behind me. A man stood there, gazing at me. When I turned my head round, he recognized me, and, advancing, said, You are weeping, madame? It was a young barrister who was traveling with his mother, and whom we had often met. His eyes had frequently followed me. I was so confused that I did not know what answer to give or what to think of the situation. I told him I felt ill. He walked on by my side in a natural and respectful manner, and began talking to me about what we had seen during our trip. All that I had felt he translated into words. Everything that made me thrill he understood perfectly, better than I did myself. And all of a sudden he repeated some verses of Alfred de Musset. I felt myself choking, seized with indescribable emotion. It seemed to me that the mountains themselves, the lake, the moonlight, were singing to me things ineffably sweet. And it happened, I don't know how, I don't know why, in a sort of hallucination. As for him, I did not see him again until the morning of his departure. He gave me his card. And seeking into her sister's arms, Madame Latour broke into groans, almost into shrieks. Then Madame Rubert, with a self-contained and serious air, said very gently, You see, sister, very often it is not a man that we love, but love itself. And your real lover that night was the moonlight. End of section 118. Recording by Tatiana Chichilla, Columbus, Ohio.